Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. My podcasts often deal with distressing situations which are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. Some of what I discuss may trigger uncomfortable emotions. If that does occur, please reach out to Lifeline, Beyond Blue or any other support service or person you feel comfortable with. Please keep in mind that there's always two sides, sometimes more, to every story. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs. Not everybody will agree with them. I never want to tell any guest what to say or what not to say, so there will always be others that see it differently, and I understand that. Hello, I'm Narelle Fraser. I was a cop with Victoria Police for 27 years, 15 of those as a detective, having dealt with all types of crime, from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. I witnessed the effect crime has on those involved and became one of those victims myself in 2012 when I was diagnosed with PTSD. However, out of adversity comes other opportunities like this, my own podcast. I'm still pinching myself. Thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. How does someone molest his daughter and hide it from me from the age of five? Like, I just can't work it out. Today's podcast won't be for everyone. We talk about incest and how a popular, loving husband and father was actually a monster. I want you to think really carefully about whether it's for you today because it will be difficult to listen to at times. We have changed some names to protect identities, but believe me, the story itself, it's as raw and honest as you can get. Our guest today, Jane, met her husband at 19 when he swept her off her feet. He was everything she'd ever dreamed of. He was charming, he was supportive encouraged her to chase her dreams and after they had two kids he never thought twice about taking on extra parental load and added to this wonderful life was the lovely home that they built together you know life just couldn't have got better until late one night Jane got up from bed for a glass of water and discovered her then husband in a compromising position with their young daughter in the newly renovated guest room which could only mean one thing. 
If Jane hadn't seen it with her own eyes, she wouldn't have believed it. Her little daughter tried to make excuses for what her dad was doing, but Jane knew what she'd seen. In fact, that image will never, ever leave her. Jane will take us through the shock and the aftermath of what she saw and the grooming and behaviours that she missed but was obviously never looking for. And as for her daughter, what sort of a monster would brainwash a little girl into thinking that she was the one who was naughty and she was the one who would get her dad into big trouble if she ever said anything? What a terrible load for a little girl to carry. Her ex-husband is now where he should be, in jail for a very long time, leaving Jane to mend relationships which have been damaged but not broken, including her son, who is now back in the loving arms of his mum. Jane's two now teenagers are so very blessed to have what I consider to be the mother of the year or even the (laughs) mother of the decade. Um, She's behind them, she's beside them, and she's with them step by step. A woman who, with unbelievable courage and strength. It's my pleasure to welcome you, Jane. Uh, my goodness, I, I don't know where to start, but hello. <laughs> oh. Hi, Narelle. How are you going? Yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah, boy, that's uh, some intro. Um, it's not about how I'm going, it's how, how you're going. Well, that sounds like a horror story, which it it was and still is to this day, but no, we're going pretty good considering. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, none of us could imagine, Jane, or very few of us out there, thank goodness. Um, have you, uh, are you in lockdown? Yes, we're in lockdown. Um, we're into our, oh, well, Monday will be our third week. Um, so, yes, we're feeling pretty sorry for ourselves, but look, we're not like Melbourne and Sydney um, poor buggers. But um, yeah, we're in a rural place and yeah, we're all in lockdown wearing the masks and doing everything we're meant to be doing. Yeah. You know, I had to go, um, I live you know, near Echuca and uh, in Victoria and I had to go um, up to Echuca yesterday for something to do with work and I had to go and get a, a permit, seriously, a permit to travel. You know, Oh, I just can't get my head around that. It's uh, it's bizarre and I, I see a lot of caravans on the highways and I look at them now and think, where are you going? <laughs> where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> we're the same. We see Victorian plates and we're like, now what are you doing out? You're not allowed yeah. out. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's amazing. God, who would have thought? I know, yep. I know, I know. You look, at, you look at people very funny, so. Yeah, yeah, you do, you do. In fact, uh, yeah, I was at our bakery yesterday and I'm looking at this woman and she, I get, saw her get out of a caravan, like, you know, they're carrying this, uh, they've got this huge Ford, I don't know, something or other, and they've got a, a beautiful big caravan behind them and I was that close to turning around and saying, and who are you? <laughs> Where's your ID? <laughs> Oh, it's pathetic, <laughs> pathetic. Anyway, all right. Oh, so, I know. Yeah, I know. So anyway, so Jane, um, maybe uh, we could start with uh, why you contacted me and what it is that made you do that. Yep. Uh, so my sister and I love, well, loved um, crime podcasts and, you know, we'd always read up about, you know, things that oh, people had been through and, um, yeah, we 
loved it in any way, then, oh my God, it happened to me. And um, I totally stopped any, you know, formal listening to podcasts, you know, that triggered me or reading any books or anything like that. And probably over the last six months, I've just started listening to things again. And we used to listen to you on other crime podcasts that, you know, you were a guest speaker on. And then my sister said, oh my God, Narelle's got her own podcast. You've got to start listening to it. So yeah, I just started listening and um, I just thought, oh God, you know, I should I should message, message her and just see if she'd be interested in talking to me um, about what had happened to us. Um, more so just for me to let people know that it can happen, you know, it's not your stranger danger. Um, you know, it happens in families so much more than what you ever think it does. Um, and I never thought I'd be in this position. Um, so I just thought, no, look, I'd like to talk to Narelle and um, see if she'd be interested in chatting and more for me as well, I suppose, um, because I've tried a number of things like writing in journals. Um, I've tried counselling and things like that, but I just find talking to a counsellor isn't going to help help anybody else. Yes, it might help me, but, um, you know, I just think if I can just get my story out and, you know, if a mum can look at a situation differently, um, you know, and think, oh, my God, that's not right, even though these predators are bloody good at what they do because I'm switched on, I don't miss a trick. Um, so I just think if there's just something that is there that doesn't look right, um, you know, just to stop it somehow, um, yeah, that that's all, I guess. <laughs> But but also, Jane, like it, it's easy to say that in hindsight, isn't it? Oh, definitely. But when things are going so well and life's so good, it, it's just not something that would ever uh, cross your mind. And, you know, you made a very good point back then that stranger danger, when we were kids, it was the man uh, with the raincoat, you know, that it was outside the... the um, the fence of your school or something like that. It was, that's what we all thought uh, would happen, but it's actually, or how it happened. But we found out, unfortunately, and you found out in the worst possible way that so many times it's right under your roof. It's right under your nose. Oh. But who would ever think that? Like, can you, can we go back? Tell us about, yeah, t- tell us about you know, life and um, how you met your husband. And just give us a little bit of a background of your life prior to that terrible, terrible night. Yep. So um, we're both from a very small little country town and um, both from very good families. And, um, you know, we've I was born here and my ex-husband was born here as well. And he was a fair bit older than me, about 13 years actually. And um, I'd, I'd known him um, just around town and stuff like that. He was he was a bit of a bad boy, but he wasn't um, oh he wasn't a nasty man or anything like that. Um, and a lot of the local girls thought he was a bit of all right and had the hotted up car and he was just a bit of a rebel. But he always had lovely manners and you know very handsome and stuff like that and quite pretty quiet. Like um, yeah, so. Probably when I was about 18, I started going out, you know, to the local pubs and stuff and he'd be there and we'd have a chat and, you know, it was always lovely. And um, I actually moved away 
from the little town and during that time when I come home on weekends you know I'd see him and yeah we kind of created a bit of a friendship that went from there so um, I continued I was doing an apprenticeship at the time and I continued with my apprenticeship and we had a long distance relationship and I'd come and visit him at our hometown every fortnight and then he'd come up to me where I was um, based and um, no look it was exciting and you know we got along really well and you know um, back then it's what you did you um, my mum and dad were very old-fashioned and it was always you know you finish school you either go to university or you get a trade uh, you meet a nice man and get married settle down and have a family and live happily ever after and um, I guess back then that's what I was looking for and you know and I say to my kids now I say oh my god you know live your life you don't you don't need a husband you know you don't need a wife you know if you find someone great but don't don't ever think that mum wants you to do that. Um, so, no, look, we had a really lovely relationship in the early days and, uh, and then I actually moved back to my little town and, yeah, we we got a house. We actually moved a house on the back of a truck and started um, renovating it and, yeah, we lived on a property and we had a very good life and um, my ex-husband's family were lovely to me and my family adored my ex-husband as well so yeah it was just an absolute shock with what happened and I don't have my mum and dad here anymore and in a way I'm glad because oh my god you know it would have killed them it's nearly killed me um, and all of our you know our friends and family and our little community it's just been horrific uh, but um, yeah look these things happen I I imagine it's divided. I imagine with living in a small community because I do, and something like that would completely like it changes relationships, doesn't it? And it and it, um, it divides the community because your ex husband has has family and friends. You have family friends. You have fr- friends together, and it just changes everything, doesn't it? Oh. Absolutely. And the hardest thing was um, like when my daughter was ready to contact the police, uh, we had to just not say anything at all. Like we couldn't tell a soul, you know, that uh, he would be arrested and charged. Like we had to just keep going about all of our daily, you know, our daily things. And um I just really struggled because I knew that the town was just going to get the shock of their lives. An absolute shock. And, um, yeah, when it happened, I never told anybody, like he was arrested and I never told a soul. And um, my son actually got his dad's phone and rang all of his contacts and told them they were all told all of his contacts that he was in jail. So that was just horrific because people were like, couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, so and just a horrible situation and, um, you know, people couldn't believe it. They just thought it can't be right, you know, this can't be right. And, um, yeah, and because I couldn't say a lot as well, I couldn't tell people details, um, you know, and that was very difficult and I still had to go about my work to support my daughter and myself and, yeah, and that was hard working in the community. Mm-hmm. So, so let's go back. Jane, let's go back to uh, life's just wonderful. Um, you've um, 
just uh, reno- done a few renovations. You've uh, got your, from what I remember, you've got your a new guest room that you've done up and it's all lovely. What happens? Oh, I was just going about my normal nightly routine and, um, no, like life was pretty good. Like it wasn't. Oh, God, it's never all wine and roses. Uh, my ex-husband did drink a lot and, um, yeah, he had a lot of, oh, I don't know, he had issues. We all have, have issues. Um, but we just, you know, we tried in our marriage and, you know, things were ticking along pretty well. Kids are healthy and happy and, you know, life was okay. And um, I'd gone to bed this night, as I did, because I used to love reading, and I've only just starting started doing that again because I couldn't focus on anything for two years. Um, and I went to bed and I was reading my book and I think I'd, I'd been asleep and I remember waking up and thinking, oh, God, I'm dry. I better go and get a drink of water. And I went out into the kitchen and um, the house was an L-shaped home and I went out into the kitchen and I actually saw a, oh, I'll never forget it, I saw this glass um, just sit, sitting on the bench and it just had straight rum in it and I just remember looking at that going oh god here we go because you know he did he did drink and um, I thought oh great what am I going to come out to here and um, I grabbed my drink of water and I just stuck my head out the kitchen door and we'd I'd, I'd actually renovated this room and we were waiting to get some doors put on and um, yeah so it was opened and I walked out and I saw my my daughter and my ex-husband um, in a, a position that, you know, that couldn't have been anything else. And I just got the shock of my life. I It was almost like I left my body um, and just thought, all right, you know, this is what's going on. How do I, what do I do now to, um, oh God, you know, I, I knew that whatever steps I took now would affect my family, my kids for the rest of their life. So I just knew that I had to um, tell my daughter that, you know, I loved her. Um, she's, you know, she hasn't done anything wrong. This is not her fault. And, you know, that she can tell me everything if she, if, you know, if she feels like she has to. Um, so I'll never forget it. She even come up with an excuse because I just walked out and I just said, what is going on? Um, and she turned around and she said, oh, dad's helping me. I've stubbed my toe. And I just thought, oh my God, not only is this little girl been suffering this for God only knows how long, but now she's making excuses for him. So I just remember saying to her, look, go and pop yourself into bed um, everything's okay. It wasn't fucking okay, but anyway. And I just said, you know, mum will, mum will be in in a minute, mate. You know, it's, it's okay. And yeah, I just remember thinking, oh my God, you know, what have I just seen? Like, what have I just seen? And, um, yeah, I just remember she went back to her room and I went out into the lounge room and my ex-husband come out and I just remember saying, what is going on? You need to tell me everything. You need to tell me everything. Um, so, yeah, he went through the whole, um, oh, threw himself on the ground. And this is a man that never cried, never cried, never showed any emotion. The only emotion I ever saw him um, was when our dog died. 
he, you know, he went to both my mum and dad's funerals. Um, he got upset at my mum's funeral because they were very close and um, I was close to my dad as well. But, you know, I used to think that was strange. I thought, how can you not show emotion, you know, at my parents' funeral? But our dog died and he was a wreck. He was an absolute mess. So, um, yeah, he threw himself on the ground and, you know, went through this whole, oh, you know, I'm going to kill myself and, um, you know, like I've turned into the monster that I hate because he was very anti-pedophile. Like um, even to the point where we enrolled our children at a Catholic school um, because my son actually had some um, issues with ADD and we were advised by the primary school to put him into a smaller school with um, smaller numbers in the classes that it may help him. Um, so I remember because we've only got two options here, we've got a primary school and a Catholic school and um, I, we're not religious, either of us, and, um, yeah, my ex-husband was just like, oh, my God, you know, I don't want my kids going to a Catholic school. And I remember him sitting down with the principal and telling her that he didn't want the kids around any ministers or, you know, anybody that wasn't a teacher. God, um, right. And, yeah, Yep, and if there was any, ever anything on TV, um, you know, about pedophiles, I remember he used to say, I'd kill the bastards and I'd hang for it. If anyone did anything to my kids, I'd kill them and I'd hang for it. And that's the thing. That's why I never suspected anything. Um, he was never inappropriate with the kids. You know, my daughter would come out and she may have had, like, because she's a tomboy, and she may have had a pair of shorts on that were too short. And he'd turn around and he goes, oh, darling, you know, Maybe you need to go and, you know, put another pair of trousers on or, you know. Cover um, yourself you up, as my, my dad her. would say. Yeah, cover yourself up. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. yeah. I remember when I had a girlfriend come, a friend come to my house years ago and I'll never forget it. My dad opened the door and she had yeah. this mini skirt on and he goes, oh, my God. He goes, go and put a brick on that skirt. And he shut the door and I wasn't allowed out with her. <laughs> oh, and that's just the way we were brought up. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he was, was a real old prude. Yeah, but, um, yeah. No, my ex-husband, you know, he never, never kissed her on the mouth or nursed her in a, you know, weird way. And even when they were little, the way he'd nurse them and was strange, like he was, he was just awkward. But I just put that down to him not having a lot to do with kids. Um, yeah, and he even said to me one night, he said, oh, my daughter would have been about, oh, probably nine, eight or nine. And, you know, like I never showered with my dad. I never saw anything of my dad until he got unwell and I had to nurse him with my sister when he was dying of cancer and that was just so bloody traumatic in itself, like, yeah, you know, yeah. never seeing your dad in that way. But, um, yeah. you know, I just thought, oh, look, things are different now. You know, you do get undressed in front of your kids and whatever. And, yeah, I remember him coming out and saying, oh, you know, I think our daughter might be a bit a bit old now to have showers with dad. Um, you know, so there was no, no inkling at all you know, with inappropriate things um, or, yeah, so, no, he um, he did a very good job of hiding it um, and he was an unorganised man. He um, he wouldn't know. If his head wasn't screwed on, he wouldn't know where it is. Like he'd lose his keys, he'd lose his wallet. He lost yeah. a number of bloody phones. Like he'd go off around the farm and have his phone in his back pocket and fall off the ag bike and then we'd all have to be searching for it. Um, he was hopeless. You know, he couldn't keep appointments. He was late all the time, um, spinning his wheels all the time. And that's what I say to my sister now. I go, oh, my God, like how does someone so bloody unorganised 
molest his daughter and hide it from me from the age of five. Like I just can't work it out because I, you know, I have OCD in the house. I'm very, well, I'm not as bad as I used to be, but I would know if anything was out of place, um, you know, anything at all. But he just hid everything perfectly. Uh, yeah, I just, and I think maybe that may have been the reason he was so bloody unorganised is he was so honed in on, you know, our daughter and, you know, every opportunity that he had, um, yeah, he targeted her. So, yeah, it's just been horrific, horrific. And just the loss of, you know, your marriage and, yeah, just, just how everything can just change in a second. And literally a second, you're right. And so what happens is um, he's um, thrown himself on the floor. He's saying, I've turned out to the, be the monster I, you know, never wanted to be or whatever it was he's doing and flailing and carrying on. So what happens then? We'd been married for 20 years as well, almost 20 years, and I had a great relationship with my um, mother-in-law. She stepped into the role of being my mum after I lost my mum and she was a wonderful mum, um, mother-in-law to me and a great nanny and very, very, um, like she was an older lady, but she, yeah, she was um, quite modern and, you know, a bit of a card. And I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to ring, I'm going to ring her. She'll know what to do. She'll know what to do. I'll ring her. She will know what to do. I just, you know, and I look back now, I should never have rang her things would have been very different if I didn't make that phone call that night. So I remember ringing her and I remember just telling her what I had seen and that she needs to get over here as soon as possible. And that would have been horrific for her, like, you know, for me to ring up and say that. And she just went, oh, my God. And um, I remember she sat down. Well, she fell back on the lounge. She was just in absolute shock. And... um, yeah, her son told her everything, pretty much just said, you know, this is what's been going on and I need help. I need help, mum. And I just remember saying to her, okay, we need to go to the police. We need, we need to go to the police. And um, I just remember you could just see the cogs turning and she just said to me, look, we need to really think about this. We need to really think about this. She said, we can't make any rash decisions. If we go to the police, you know, this will kill my husband, who wasn't, he's not a well man. Um, Yeah, it'll kill my husband. It'll ruin the family name and docs are going to take these kids. And I just thought, oh, my God. I, oh, my God. And then because I was, you know, obviously in shock, I thought she's right we have to be really careful here on what to do. And, um, yeah, I remember she stayed out in the lounge room with my ex-husband and I went in to see my daughter and she was just so upset. She was so upset in her bed. And I just remember saying, look, Nanny's here, darling. And um, I said, it's okay. I said, you haven't done anything wrong. I said, we're just going to work out what we're going to do here. I said, but, you know, we haven't done anything. you haven't done anything wrong. And I remember her nan went into her room And she said exactly the same thing to her. She said, look, you haven't done anything wrong, mate. You know, this is all dad's fault. You know, everything's going to be okay. You haven't done anything wrong. So I was happy that she said that to her. Um, But yeah, the, the ways this lady 
in time went on to cover up what her son had done and she still continues to do this to this day. I just I just can't work it out. Um, these two kids, like my two children, are her only grandchildren. That's it. That's all she's got in life. And um, she has no one now. She's not only lost us, um, but she's lost her son. And I just, you know, I just think it's so bloody sad because it didn't have to be like this. You know, we could have worked together and supported. And that's the thing. I never, ever would have said to her, I don't want you to have anything to do with your son. It's her son. I've got a son. I cannot even imagine what would be going through her head. Um, You know, like, I do not agree with what he's done. I will never forgive him. And I hate him for what he's done, you know, but at the end of the day, it's someone's son and it's my kid's dad. Um, So, yeah, look, it just, the wheels fell off that night and, um, you know, we didn't ring the police that night and then when I went to speak to my daughter, I actually said to her, I said, look, we have to ring the police and she goes, no, mum, no, mum, dad said that this would happen. If we were ever caught, dad said that this would happen. She -hmm. said, we cannot ring the police and I remember just saying to her, okay, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And she said, you need to get me out of this house. You need to get me out of this house. And I remember her saying, and you cannot, you know, you, we can't tell anybody, mum, but you need to get me out of this house. And I just thought, okay, I've got to get her out of this house. Um, yeah, so it, I, I regret, like in a way, the guilt I have for not ringing the police that night was massive. Um, but after speaking to the investigators and, you know, telling them what happened, they said, look, you haven't done anything wrong. You removed her from the home. You made a safe home for her. Um, you stopped her father. Like, it never happened after that. Um, and they said, and the thing is, if you would have called us that night, we would have, and she would have clammed up because she's had years of grooming. They said she would have clammed up and we would have only been able to get him and charge him for what you saw. They said, you know, we couldn't have got a got him from, you know, when it originally started. So you gave that kid time to feel safe and to realise that dads don't do that to their kids. Dads don't do that to their kids. And, um, you know, this is what life can be like, you know, without being hurt. Um, yeah, so I gave her the time and it was five months from when I moved her out of that home um, or hell hole, like I just, I drive past there now and I, I just think it's a house of horrors. Um, you know, like it's, oh, it's a house of horrors. And I just think, no, um, I made her safe and, you know, and we're living in the home that I grew up in as, as you know, a little girl. So I'm back in my family home and my kids are there and that gives me just so much Oh, it just makes me happy to think my mum and dad aren't here anymore, but we're in that home where I felt safe and I had a great childhood and now my kids are there and it's safe and they love it. Um, They miss the farm um, because they had a great life out there, motorbikes and, you know, wide open spaces, like they really miss that, but they love that they're where mum grew up and their auntie grew up. They just love it. And, um, yeah, I don't have mum and dad here. And I think, well, if that can just give my kids that bit of reassurance that, you know, life is going to be all right, um, yeah, we're a lot further ahead than what we ever were yeah. out there. Yeah. yeah. You, you explained that night uh, in your email you had 
an analogy I've never heard before, but gee, it made a lot of sense. Can you share that with us? I have people just say to me, you know, what what is it like? You know, what is that like for you? And I said, it's like sh- it's like having a bag. I've got a pretty big handbag full of shit, so it's like having a handbag <laughs> full full of, you know, your life and everything, you know, you've worked so hard for, you know, and tipping it upside down, jumping on it, smashing it into a million pieces and then with a blindfold trying to put it all back together. That's what it felt like. I just, you know, how quickly your life can just be tipped upside down. And what you think is important, you know, like I used I used to think, oh God, I don't even know. Like my whole outlook on life has changed. The shit that I used to worry about, oh my God, it means nothing. And, you know, I have people come in like to my business and, you know, tell me about something that's happened to them. And I just think, oh my God, really? Is that, you know, if that's all I bloody had to worry about, yeah, yeah. then as my partner said, you can't think like that. You know, no no one, you'd hope that, that not many people would go through what you've gone through. So, you know, you cannot say that. You, you know, everyone has their issues and thinks that, you know, stuff that happens to them is big. And looking in their life, it is big. But it really has made me look at my life differently and appreciate the things that I used to take for granted. Oh, I, God, I bet it has. Hello, guess who? Just a quick interruption here to let you know you can now become a Narelle Fraser Interviews Patreon. How exciting! Simply go to www.patreon, that's P for Peter, A T R E O N for Narelle.com and search for Narelle Fraser Interviews. And to all of you out there who continue to support me, thank you so much. And and going back to uh, that night, um, you said that your mother-in-law managed, you know, at the time, you know, she did all the right things about her her granddaughter assuring her that, you know, she hadn't done anything wrong. But then you said that you went and um, comforted your daughter and what did your husband do? Oh, he just carried on on the floor out in the lounge room saying he was going to, you know, shoot himself. Because that's the thing, living on a property, that gun, he had guns. Um, Yeah, and he'd never, ever been suicidal that I know. Um, Yeah, so I'm not sure what his mum said to him out in the lounge room that night, um, but I just remember, um, yeah, trying to comfort my daughter the best way I could. I knew that she had to be... Like I had to just watch her like a hawk. I would not be able to leave her in a situation with her dad um, again. And, um, yeah, I just remember saying to her, you'll be sleeping with mum tonight. So she slept with me in my bed. And um, my ex-husband was actually doing two jobs at that stage. He was um, driving a machine out in the bush and then farming as well. So he'd actually been sleeping out in this guest bedroom Oh, probably for a couple of weeks because he used to snore like a bloody freight train, used to drive me insane. I used to have to sleep with earplugs and stuff in, so I was quite happy for him to be sleeping out there. 
And um, because he did drink quite a lot of a night, that just made it so much worse. And that's the other thing I thought, oh, maybe this has just happened when he's intoxicated. Maybe, maybe you know, trying to make excuses like it's ridiculous, the stuff that goes through your head, um, trying to think, okay, this is why he's done it. Um, but then as time went on, um, no, it was every opportunity that he had several times a day sometimes um, and not just when he was drunk. So, um, yeah, I even thought, okay, because he, he used to ride motorbikes um, and I thought, okay, he's had a few stacks, maybe he's got brain damage. And, um, yeah, I just remember thinking, all right, I reckon he's hit his head. I reckon he's hit his head. Then I thought, no, nah, you know, it must be something else, you know, and you're just trying to make excuses. because One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You cannot possibly think that a man that you loved and trusted and had two beautiful kids with could do this. And that's what his friends say to me to this day. We cannot, like, and they've got kids and they just say, when do you wake up and think, this is a bloody great idea, I'm going to molest my daughter and I'm going to continue to do it, you know, from the age of five to 12. You know, like, when do you wake up and think that's a great idea? And how can you find your daughter sexually attractive? Like, oh, my God. I just, I just cannot fathom that, and I never will, um, you know. But, yeah, he, he knew that he had a problem and he pretty much begged for help that night, and I, I did. I thought, okay, maybe we can work together and get him help. Um, you know, he needs to stand up and say, I've done it, be made accountable for it and get help. Like I don't think there's any help for them to tell you the truth. And that's the thing I have done so much research and I've spoke spoke to my counsellor about how the, you know, the criminal mind ticks. And the thing is I am so interested in, you know, the criminal mind and, you know, I, I don't know if they can be rehabilitated. I don't know. Um, you know, like an I, I don't ever want to see the man again and it's up to my kids, um, 
you know, if they want, and I've never, ever said to my son, um, I don't want you to see your dad, you know, I've never said that, you know, like if he needs to do that for closure or whatever to get his head around it, I don't know, but I've never, ever said to them, you're not seeing your dad. Um, I know my daughter has chosen not to, and that's absolutely fine. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't know, I just can't see, can't see him leaving prison and being rehabilitated. I really can't, no matter how many courses he does. Mm. Yeah, I have a, um, a, a friend who's a criminologist, um, Patrick Tidmarsh, and um, I talk to him. Uh, we do quite a few training uh, programs together. And, yes, he talks about rehabilitation and, in fact, I'm doing a, a podcast with him uh, shortly. He's written a book about it just uh, like you, I'm very interested, and interested is probably the wrong word, but like you, why do people do this? What is it that, as you say, you could find attractive about your little girl? And if you did, like to actually think you act out those those thoughts, it, it just, for most of us, 99% of us, we just will we'll never understand it. But there was something that you told me about your husband that night that you just could not believe, and that's when you're in um, bed with your daughter comforting her and you told me that your husband, you could hear him snoring in the other room. I mean, yep. I, I just, oh. it, it just, it's just too hard to think about. Oh, my God. I just, yeah, I remember putting my daughter to bed and, like, just trying to settle her down um, yeah. and just saying, you know, it's going to be okay. It's not going to be fucking okay, but I didn't know what else to say to the kid. Yeah, you wouldn't, yeah. And, um, yeah, she just sobbed herself to sleep and I remember just laying there thinking, oh, my God, this is a horror movie. And I remember I could hear hear him snoring. And I thought if I had just been caught molesting my daughter, I would not be frigging sleeping. I would not be sleeping. I just thought, how can someone switch off and go to sleep? I couldn't sleep for weeks. I couldn't eat. Um, I just, yeah, I don't even know how I functioned. And I just think, oh, my God. And I remember he come out the next day and he had his esky in his hand. I was sitting on the lounge bawling my eyes out. And he goes, I've got nothing else to say, but I'm sorry. I don't know what else to say to you. I'm sorry. And he said, I'm off to work. And off he toddled. And I just remember going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't know what to do. I do not know what to do. And I just, I remember I said to him that night, have you done this to our son? And he goes, never. But then in hindsight, I think I couldn't have believed him anyway. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, yeah, and I just remember thinking, how am I going to get this daughter out of the house without my son knowing what has happened and will my son come with me? I want my son to come with me. Um, but he idolised his dad and um, that was the hardest thing for me to do was to leave that house and him not come with me. It nearly killed me. Um yeah, and I remember saying to my ex-husband um, when he come back from work with his esky, I remember saying to him, all right, we are leaving. My daughter and I are leaving. Um, 
we had actually um, we had somewhere to go. We are very, very lucky to have had somewhere to go. And I can see how some women would have to stay there. Like I was lucky. I had my own money. I have my own business. Um, I was financially okay. And um, I have an amazing family network as well. They didn't know at this stage, you know, about what had happened. Um, but, yeah, I knew that I would have the support. And, um, yeah, I guess there's a lot of women out there that can't leave and they have to stay there, you know. And even with domestic violence and things like that, I can totally understand you know, these women are just so brainwashed and, you know, it does take them quite a number of times to leave. And, um, yeah, I was just very lucky that I had a home to go to. Um, yeah, oh, God, I just, yeah, it could have been a lot bloody worse and that's what I think, you know. As horrific as it was, I was just so very lucky um, to have somewhere safe to go and somewhere for my daughter to feel safe. But, um, yeah, I just remember saying to my husband or ex-husband um I just said right you need to tell our son that we're separating and that I'm moving out and that um you know I I said to my son I'd really like you to come and live with with your mum and your sister and I remember him I remember him saying to me he goes mum is this an April Fool's joke because he'd never even seen us have a Barney like and yeah he said is it is it an April Fool's joke I just said no mate I said it's not a not a joke and um I remember his dad said I've done the wrong thing mate I've stuffed this marriage and mum's leaving and we can't be angry at her for doing that and I just remember saying will you come with us and he goes no you've got my sister dad doesn't have anyone and I just thought well dad doesn't frigging deserve anyone and I just, you know, oh, that was the hardest thing. I just, I thought, oh, my God, I'm leaving this other kid with a pedophile. But at the time I thought, oh, you know, my ex-husband promised me he hadn't done anything to, to his son. And um, I'd also spoken to my mother-in-law and said, well, I'm leaving, but you need to keep an eye on this. You know, you need to, you know, watch this kid. But, yeah, that's my biggest regret is leaving him there. But he wasn't going to come with me. He was 15 and knew everything and, you know, dad's boy and didn't want to live in town. He loved farm life and he needed to, you know, his dad needed someone. And I thought, I can't make him come with me unless I tell him what his dad's done. And and my daughter wasn't ready ready to talk about it. And I knew that I had to get her mentally okay um, and safe. Yeah, but that that's the hardest thing as a mum to leave that little boy out there and um, and try to try to act that, you know, act like in character that, you know, we just separated that mum and dad didn't love each other anymore and dad had, you know, dad hadn't been a good husband. And up until that day I thought he was a pretty good bloody husband. Um, yeah, but it's not until now that I realise, mm, okay, Yep, things weren't as they seemed. And it wasn't until I'd removed myself from that home and now I, you know, two years down the track I've got a beautiful partner and I can see that, okay, you know, maybe maybe it wasn't that great. Um, yeah, there were a few alarm bells now. Um, but I just used to put it down to, oh, he's a little bit different. We met we met when he was a lot older and, you know, he pretty much moved out of his, his parents' home in with me 
and got married. So, um, yeah, I just used to think, oh, well, he, he doesn't know any different. He doesn't know how to look after himself and, you know, like, oh, God. But now that I am in a relationship with a lovely man, like, you know, he does so much for me and my kids and he's just so selfless and, you know, I just he's got all the time in the world for us, whereas my husband, he didn't. Like I used to have to organise all the holidays, you know. If I hadn't organised them and paid for them myself, they wouldn't have happened. And quite often up until the day we were leaving, I didn't know if he was going to come with us or not because, you know, oh, I've got to do this on the farm. I've got to do that on the farm. I've got to check mum and dad are going to be okay. You know, like he never he never put us first. He um, It was always about him and work and I just found he never achieved anything. Like he had the opportunity to have a great property and he ran it into the ground. And, um, you know, and that's what I think, oh, my God, like alarm bells. But back then I was just in that routine of being a mum and running my own business and, you know, being the best I could be and, you know, mm. yeah. But, but as you say, you knew no different and it's easy, you know, to look back and say about the signs, etc. cetera. Um, so you've left the family home and you go into your, um, uh, you found somewhere that you felt safe. So what what then happens, like how did you um, encourage your daughter to talk to you or what happened next? When did you go to the police? Oh, well, see, this was the other thing. I told my sister the day after um, I I rang her up and I just said, you need to come out here. I was still out at the, out at the house in question and um, she just, she just was, frigging mortified and um she just said we've got to get you out of here and um I remember she sat down with my daughter and she just said you have not done anything wrong you know you are so brave and your auntie is so proud of you and you're going to be okay and you're going to go and live at nanny's and poppies and um she said but we do have to go to the police mate and again she my daughter just started crying, no, auntie, I can't. I can't go to the police. You know, these things will happen to dad if I do. I cannot and I will not talk to the police. And I just remember saying to her, when and if you are ever ready, mum and your auntie are going to support you 100%. We will support you 100%. And I even said that to my ex-husband that night and his mother. I said, when and if she's ever ready to come forward and tell her story, I will support her 100% because I do not freaking agree with this. I do not condone it and I'm not sweeping it under the carpet and as soon as she's ready. So it wasn't a bloody surprise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I just thought this kid's got to be ready to do it because she's already, you know, traumatised and I didn't. I don't know if she'll, you know, ever, well, she'll never, ever be right. Um, but, yeah, I just think, you know, I had to tell this kid that, you know, when and if you're ready, mate, we'll, we'll go to the police. Um, but, no, she was just traumatised. And, yeah, so we moved into the my family home and I remember my sister and I, we Googled for Australia, like we are the Google masters. And I remember thinking, right, what do we do from here? Like what steps like I just needed the information. I need to know, all right, if I ring the police, what happens? Can I speak to the police? Can I find out what my options are? Um, 
you know, but every every port of call I went to, it was like as soon as you mentioned that a child is being sexually abused, it's bells and whistles. Absolutely. It's the end. And I totally understand that. But, you know, they need to have some form, like some resources or something out there, anything that tells you the steps of, all right, if you go to the, uh, you know, what happens? Um, Because my son was still out there with him. He still had guns. And I just thought, you know, I've got to be so bloody careful here. And it's not just one phone call and he's arrested. Like they've got to do an investigation to make sure that you're not full of shit. And, you know, and these are serious allegations. That's the thing. You, and the thing is, my daughter, she, she none of this shit's made up because no 12-year-old girl should know the things that she knew. And all of, the only information that we managed to find was that um, basically whatever I say to my daughter and whatever information I get from her, I've got to be so careful because if this went to trial and I was put up on the stand and she was put up on the stand, if she was to say that she told me, I told mum this, that would be pretty much thrown out of court, like, you know, tainted evidence. So all I knew is I had to be careful with what I asked her, what information I got out of it, and that's so hard as a mum because I wanted to know exactly what was bloody going on. Of course you would. But I couldn't, and I remember... Um, my sister said, we need to buy her a journal. We need to get her a journal and we need to tell her to write in it that she doesn't have to talk to, you know, mum and auntie, write in this journal. Um, and I remember doing that. I remember it was green with these, you know, greeny florally front. And I remember saying to her, here's a journal, mate. You need to write down anything that you can remember. I said, was there any, um, you know, any holidays we went on? Walk through the house, um, and any room of the house where you where it may have happened, um, anywhere on the property, uh, can you remember any event? You know, like parties, um, because see, my ex husband was a huge bike fanatic, and we had a motorbike track um, at the property, and he'd have mates out like, and it was wonderful. Like I used to even go and swag it with the kids, and you know, it was awesome. And um, yeah, and I said, look if anything happened at the track. Um, so, and she's like, oh, she goes, yep. She said, oh, I'm going to go and write everything down. I said, but you can't tell me. I said, you know, I said, you can't tell mum what happened, mate. I said, because, you know, if you if you do, oh, and how horrific. All I wanted to do was sit her down and find out everything because I thought whatever he's done to her is going to affect her for the rest of her life, future relationships, you know. I didn't want to say anything or touch her in any way that would have triggered her. Um, oh, it was just, it was just fucked. Like, and that was the hardest thing. I just thought, you know, as a mum, I could not... Yeah, I, I had I had to be so careful because I thought, you know, if I get any information out of her, it's going to stuff anything up if it does go to trial. Um, yeah, so she wrote in the journal and um, I just remember thinking, all right, well, if she gets as much information down as she possibly can, and I just remember all she did was sleep. She slept and she oh, slept and she slept yeah. and I just let her sleep and that's what my sister said, you just have to let her sleep because the thing is he was waking her up in the middle of the night. So I don't think she was getting any bloody sleep. And, um, yeah, I just let her sleep 
And and look, that was probably the best thing with bloody COVID is she didn't have to go to school. So she just slept and she slept and she slept. Um, but we ended up, um, it got to a point where, and this is the thing, I actually thought he's going to hand himself in. I thought this is going to be too much guilt for this man and he's going to hand himself in. And I can just remember a change in him Um he become quite cocky and I thought he would have just become quite, um, uh, what would you say, what are those people called that won't leave the house? Bit of an ogre. Yeah, I just, I didn't think he'd leave the house or, you know, I just thought he'd just go about his farm work and he, you know, would become a recluse, that's a word. Like a hermit. Yeah, yeah like a hermit because, yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought, no, he won't he won't want to be seen in public. Like people are probably, you know, thinking, oh, you know, his wife's left him and, and that's the other thing, the shock of that because we were, we looked very happy. We were very happy until that night. Um, yeah, so... I just thought he would have stayed at home, and um, but he didn't. He become quite active in some community groups around the town, and um, yeah, I just thought this is really strange. And then he ended up going on Tinder or something like that. My son told me, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And um, and then he ended up starting a relationship with a local lady, and. Um, she, oh, I used to go to school with her, and um, and that's the hardest thing. Small town, everyone knows everybody. And my daughter, she was working at the time, um, a little part time job. And I remember she come home from work, and she was just so upset. And I said, "Oh, darling, you know what's wrong?" And she goes, "Well, I've just heard that." dad's got a new girlfriend and I just went oh okay and look and I had heard it as well but I thought I'm not telling her and I thought look it might only last five minutes too and um, she said mum I need to go to the police she said you know what happens if dad hurts this lady's kids like he hurt me and I took that opportunity and I ran with it and I said right oh, mate yeah. oh, I thought thank Christ because five months is a long time to keep a secret like that and the worry that I had of not only my son still being in the house out there, but the worry of, oh, my God, like, and that's the other information I got off the internet was that if he if he molested somebody else and the police found out that myself and his mother knew, we could do two years jail. So not only would he be arrested, but his mother and myself would be arrested so my kids would have two parents in jail and a grandmother in jail. So I knew that I legally had to do something, but I just thought I just have to wait for her to say, Mum, I'm ready. So, yeah, as soon as that happened, I thought, okay, how are we going to go about it? And this was in around, oh, God, the end of November. I remember it was around the end of November when she said she was ready. And um, I just sat her down and I said, all right, well, how are we going to go about it? And she said, well, look, I want to go and see the doctor. We had this beautiful lady doctor um, who had been, oh God, she was amazing. Like she'd been my doctor right through our preg- both her pregnancies. She was my mum and dad's doctor. You know, she was just beautiful. And my daughter felt safe with her and she goes, I need to tell doctor such and such what's going on. I said, righto, because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know. I thought, well, we can't just go down to the cop shop because half the time they're not even there. Um, and I just thought, no, look, we've really got to think this out. And I remember her saying, mum, can we just have one more Christmas? one more normal Christmas. She said, I want to have my dad and my brother 
we'll have have them over. Um, I want my brother to have a normal Christmas. And I just thought, oh, my God, to sit up with him and frigging feed him Christmas tea and not put, you know, arsenic in arsenic it. Arsenic in it, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and I just <laughs> thought, well, I've got to do it for her. And she said, I just want to create. And it's almost like she wanted to create new memories with her dad where she wasn't being abused. And and that's the other thing. Like I even tried that to go down that road. Like I would let them, God, and I look back now and I think you're a fucking idiot, but I would let him come up to the house. I would um, sit with them and they would play board games because I thought I need this little girl to have some nice memories of her dad that where he wasn't hurting her um, and then I remember I would oh, I'll never forget the time we went to the local bakery and I let them sit down and have a meal together and I sat on the table across the other side of the room and I must have looked like a psycho I had my arms crossed and I was just glaring at him and I just thought and I thought what am I doing you know, what am I doing? But I was just trying to make new memories for that little girl. Um, and in hindsight, I should never, ever have let him anywhere near her. But again, because my son was living there, I was trying to make things normal for him. And then I'd even have him say, mum, why can't, you know, why can't my sister come and stay like normal parents do that have separated? Why isn't she allowed to come and stay on the farm with us? And I'd say she doesn't want to. And you got to think this little girl was so close to her dad. They had it like they were so close. And, you know, yeah, my son, he he would go, you know, it doesn't seem right, mum. Why, why isn't she allowed around dad by herself? And, God. you know, and I'd just say, oh, fuck. And I'd what say to him, mate, oh, blood. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm doing damage to this kid as well here. Like I just thought, oh, far out. But I didn't know what to do. I was just trying to protect her and, you know, get her on the straight and narrow. And, yeah, I just, I don't know, what a mess. So, um, no, as soon as she as soon as she said, all right, after Christmas, Mum, that's when I want to do it. But, of course, we had bushfires oh, and yeah. um, COVID. Yeah. Oh, yep. So um, my ex-husband was, God. yeah, and I just I thought, think you oh, needed anything thought, else to I do. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, and I remember sitting in the lounge room, and I'd made the I'd made the appointment with our lady doctor, and it was the beginning of January, and that was the other thing, where the property were like we were very close to these bloody fires, and my ex husband he was out on the on the front line fighting these fires, and my son because I thought all right, like I thought okay, my son needs to be in my care when his dad's arrested. So I thought, all right, I'll give it two weeks. So I'd worked it out in my head that if we went to see the lady doctor, um, if I could have my son like within that two week, like maybe the second week, um, then I'm pretty sure that, you know, they'll arrest him in that time. But it didn't work that way. My son was back out there when he was arrested. And that was the most horrific thing because I wanted my son to be with me in the home when his dad was arrested so I could sit him down and tell me tell him everything, tell him my side of the story. And I wasn't given that opportunity and that was so frigging tough. So my son was out at that house and um, that's probably the only complaint I've got with the investigation was um, my son, he was in danger out there and they are just very, very lucky that my ex-husband didn't do anything stupid because he had guns and he got a phone call to say, um, you know, this is such and such from 
this oh, unit. Right. Yep, at six o'clock in the morning he got the phone call and he said, we'd like you to come to at the local police station because we need to question you in relation to molesting your daughter. Um, yeah, so he had three hours from when he got the phone call to when he went to the police station. So he had three hours. Um, and in that time, I know that because he rang me and his mother rang me, which worked for me in court because that was evident then that they rang me um, the morning and he pretty much said, what the fuck have you done? What the fuck have you done? And I just remember saying, it's not what I've fucking done, it's what you've done. And I remember saying to him, you need to sit down and you need to tell our son what you've done. You need to be the man that you haven't been. You need to tell your son what what you've done. You need to bring him to me and you need to fucking hand yourself in. That is what you need to do. But that is the only complaint I have was how they handled it. My son should never have been at that house. Um, You know, he had guns. He had the perfect opportunity to kill him and kill himself. And I do know, I do know that he was going to come to town and kill me and my daughter. So he, you know, oh my god, you know, like, you know, there's there's reasons, there's reasons for everything. But personally, yes, I'm struggling with that myself because, from my point of view, I would have the utmost pleasure in going to his work or going uh, wherever he was, arresting him, making sure everybody knew that I was a detective with the sexual crime squad or whoever it was, you are under arrest and do, and I'm sorry, but I would have to do my best to humiliate that man as much as I possibly could in public and I'm showing my colours here. But there, And I don't know the reason, but that is a, as you say, that is a huge risk. Because, as you say, uh, that is that gives him time to. Uh, I just don't know that element of surprise. They've completely lost that. Anyway, I'm not going to sit here and, and um, uh, criticise the detectives because there's obviously reasons, but it'd want to be a bloody good one. Um, but anyway, let's move. Let's move on. But um, so. They, uh, your husband, did he go in and hand himself in as they asked him to at nine o'clock or thank whatever it was? Christ, thank Christ, mm-hmm. you did. Yeah, with my son sitting up in the car, parked outside the police station because, um, and that's the thing. Like as soon as you um, like contact, like because what what happened is, yeah, my daughter went to the lady doctor, told her what had happened. She nearly fell off her friggin' chair, and I remember she asked me to leave because my sister and I were in the room with my daughter, the doctor surgery, and I remember she asked us both to leave because she needed my daughter there with no one else and she needed to talk to her and, you know, get all the information. And um, then she advised us, she said, look, I will then lodge this with the, um, I don't know, like a docs, I suppose, whatever it is now. And she said, but you need to go down to the police station. You need to go down to the police station and you need to take your daughter there and tell them what's going on Um, because she said look oh oh my god she said I just can't believe it so she was in shock and I remember we went down to the local police station and that's the hardest thing everyone knows you I don't go to the cop shop 
I've I've only ever had a speeding fine once and my ex-husband wanted to hang it on the wall because I am, you know, oh, God, I'm really, you know, I'm a law-abiding citizen. And, um, yeah, so I remember walking into that police station. Of course no one was there. And we stood there and we stood there and we thought, well, what are we going to do? Anyway, I thought, I just have to ring triple O. I have to ring triple O. I just, I need to do this. I need to do this, you know. And I remember ringing triple O, speaking to someone there. And they turned around and they said, I will send a police car up to your house. And I just went, oh, my God. Again, my neighbours are the same neighbours I had as a kid. And I thought, they're going to shit themselves if they see a police car there. Because I remember when my mum died and the ambulance showed up, they nearly had a heart attack because, yeah, you know, every, everybody. Everyone knows everything. Everyone. Yeah, yeah. And I remember ringing them back and saying to them, and how I even thought like this, I thought, I've just reported a sexual abuse of my daughter. I said, I cannot have a police car at my house. I said, because if my ex-husband gets wind of this, it's going to fuck everything up. I said, I can't have a cop car at the house. So in the end, um, the local policeman rang me direct and they said, oh, he said, look, here, I'm back at the station. You can bring your daughter down. My daughter sat with him. I showed him the journal. I showed him my diary because I knew that I had to write down what happened that night as well before I forgot any, you know, information. And um, I gave him that and I told him my side of the story and he sat there with my daughter for about an hour Um I wasn't allowed in the room. She told him everything. It was all filmed with that little camera they wear around their neck. And poor little girl, like speaking to a bloke and as lovely as he is and he's still, you know, he's still here now and, you know, always says hello and make sure we're all right. He was lovely. Um, And only a young fella, like bloody hell. And, um, yeah, and then I remember the detective calling me and it was, and that's the thing, as soon as she told, told her story, the help we got, and that's the thing, they were amazing. We had counsellors, you know, we had the detective. Um, she was beautiful, like, you know, amazing. And, yeah, it was just massive then. The investigation was huge. Like, and that's the thing, like people like people think that you just ring up and they friggin' arrest him and that's what pisses me off. I think, you know, what this little girl has had to endure, not only in these interviews but um, a number of things she had to do, like, at the actual house, um, you know, like, oh, my God, a kid can't make this shit up. No. A kid cannot make this no, shit up. And the detectives know that. And and I say to people to this day, because I still have people thinking that he's innocent, and I just say, why is he doing – why would he plead guilty? So he pled guilty at the first available opportunity in court. I said – you would not plead guilty to the things that he, you know, he's being charged with if he didn't do them. You would fight tooth and nail. I said he pled guilty at the first opportunity. He's been refused bail and he's been sentenced. I said he's in a bloody supermax prison. I said, I'm sorry, but that's guilty, you know, and why would my daughter make it up? And I saw it with my own eyes. If I hadn't have seen it with my own eyes, I don't think we would have, I don't think he'd be in prison. Because having it proved, I just don't know how we would have went with that. Like you know, his word over over his daughters, and that's that's what his mother says to this day. How yeah. can they believe a twelve year old girl over <gasps> my son? Oh my goodness! And that's the thing. Like the way this woman changed 
from a beautiful mother-in-law, a beautiful grandmother, how she has changed is just frightening and it's sad because I just think, you know, you know the truth. Your son told you everything. You know the truth. You were in court. You heard what he did to this little girl. You know, wouldn't you rush up to your do- to your little granddaughter and say, you know, you poor little thing, I love you, you know, um, and that just breaks my heart. I think you know the truth, you know. Yes, help your son the best way you can, but do not do what you've done to your grandkids. And the thing she said about me, like I just think, you know, oh, my God, like it, it's just awful. It, it's putting awful. your head in the sand and just not, you know, and, and I think we both get that it would be um, almost impossible to get your head around it. But, but as you say, number one is he's, he's told her on the night, he's told her what he's done. Um, he's, as you say, he's pleaded guilty, she's been to court, she's heard everything, and she's still, uh, I just think it would be too hard for her to accept that this is what her son has done. Isn't Jane such an amazing woman? Please join us next week for part two, where she's even more amazing if that's possible. See you next week. Hey, it's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser Interviews, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and even a review. And please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.